Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to the Bearded Fan Podcast. I am Andrew, and thanks for joining me on this episode. In this week's episode, I chat to Albert from Go Gravel. We chat about their adventure motorcycle accessories, their soft luggage range, and of course, we talk about motorbikes. So, welcome to another episode of the Bearded Fin Podcast. I don't have any housekeeping to deal with this week, but I hope you enjoyed last week's episode as well as the bonus content. So, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, this conversation was recorded while Elvis and I were drinking a couple of beers and having a bride, so it made uh, for a very relaxed conversation. And without wasting any time, here is this week's episode. So, I mean, we were talking just now about... Um, about uh, the podcast and you know the moment that you start something like this you start realizing that there are other there are other people doing what you're doing and yes, you were yes. saying that it's the same thing with the accessories definitely um, so how long i mean how long have you been running the business now um we started out in may 2013 as mm. a casual thing bought with a day job type of thing yeah yeah so and it came it started then but I mean, did you do any like sort of market research before you did it, or did you just ah, oh, I just want to do this and? No, it was more like okay, well, we wanted to do something more, um, probably um, just for ourselves, basically. Yeah. Uh, not to the idea was not to make money. Well, it's a business, so the idea is always to make money, but it's not to it's not gonna get rich quick scheme type of thing. Mm. Um, and we also started out way differently than where we are now. Back then, we bought and sold stuff. Uh, where we are now, more into manufacturing and wholesale rather than retail. Yeah. What was your What was your first like sort of product that you that you were buying and selling? <laughs> um, you can't remember, but I think it was. I think the comp- the first 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 product was sold to a guy in Sanin. And I think it was like a pivot cover or something for the 1200 GSAC. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, did you get into it so that you could get stuff for yourselves cheaply and then also just unsell it? Or? I think in hindsight, probably yes. In the back of your mind, that's, that is where, oh, let's start out. I, I need this stuff. Where can I find it? And yeah. you source it and you sell it on. And, um, but also, it wasn't that informal. Uh, we, we, from the beginning, we were looking for a brand name. Um, I always got the saying, you don't do business with a Gmail account. You do yeah. business with a, a business, proper yeah. name. Yeah. So I'm very anti that. Um, but yeah, that's basically uh, sort of, yes, we wanted to get stuff cheaper, but also we figured out we can bring something to the market at that stage we didn't know it will end up like it is now but yeah. it, it was an evolving thing so. yeah yeah 
And then, um, so the name Go Gravel, I mean, was that the name from the beginning or did you? No, there, was, there wasn't a name before that, but it wasn't like easy to find one or to think about it. You know, if you think about it, it doesn't happen. It sort of comes to Along a point where you, yeah, um, <laughs> excuse me, where I was thinking something, go, go, go. And I still remember um, my wife, we were, I was quickly talking to her. She was driving, we were meeting somewhere and she was driving away. And I said, I was thinking about this and go this. And she said, oh, but what about something gravel? And I'm like, oh, go gravel. Like, yeah, yeah that, that works. <laughs> that works. <laughs> and and it's, it's been, um, we think a good name. Um, yeah. it, not only for motorcycling, but also we can expand into different markets if we want. And probably one, one well, I wouldn't say this person used our name, but it's very, um, how can I say, they in Namibia. And uh, there's a Go Gravel Photo Safaris. And it's, uh, you can use the name by any means, we don't care. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's sort of like, oh, great, somebody else also thinks this is a good name. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone, someone was telling me, uh, I was chatting to a tattoo artist, and I was like, because like he would say, oh, you know, he will do some designs, you know, like things that he's interested in getting into. Uh, tattoo wires and he would put them out on Instagram and then I would say but you know wouldn't you be worried that people would take your ideas and he said no he actually takes it as a compliment yeah if someone it's, it's like a compliment someone, yeah in a way uh, I suppose I suppose it's a different mentality other people would get all all um, in a you know in a tiz about it yes yes whereas uh, some people just take it as a compliment you know and I think the the flip coin of um, and the compliment side and the flip coin of that is if if it's a business that another business that's not your competition but are using a similar name it's sort of also expanding your name to other markets absolutely absolutely because google brings up everybody basically yeah uh, with that similar name that's right uh, and then from the beginning it's you and hendrik that are in the um in the Correct, business together yes. uh, i mean was it like that from day one yeah, I think I dragged him more into it than anything else because I was bored and I said, come, let's do something. And um, yeah, that the buying and selling just started mm. from there. And you're like, you were mates before? Because I mean, you, you work for the same company now. Yeah, yeah we, we worked in the same building uh, for many years now. And um, accidentally, when I bought my first 12 on a GS, I think it was from still Lindhurst, the yeah, know, yeah, Arch. yeah. I went in, bought a second-hand uh, 1200GS, and when I parked it in the basement at work, and he came past, I was like, oh, that's my bike. I, <laughs> he traded it in, and it just sort of, <laughs> okay, okay, weird how stuff like that yeah. happens. So, yeah. Oh, shit, that's weird, yeah. Yeah, so, and then he's like sort of, I mean, did you guys define roles in the beginning with the, um, the business, or did you? I think it happened naturally. I'm, I'm more a... I understand figures and I understand a bit more of marketing and he's more engineering type. Um, and that's also his background okay. uh, of his studies. Um, so it's sort of just hap So I don't know anything about engineering. He doesn't really know anything about financials and marketing. And we both learned the other way around. Um, but currently the roles are basically, um, um, I handle the accounting legal you know the more administrative stuff yeah and orders and he will handle more the design work and testing okay yeah 
and when did you decide to swap over to manufacturing your own stuff? Um, so we, like I mentioned, we started in May 2013, and soon after that, the idea came about that um, why don't we do our own range? Um, so a friend of Hendrix um, actually is into design work, um, mechanical or metal design work. That that is what he does for a living, um, and he said no, he will design a couple of parts for us and um, I think in June 2014 we were in the first shop okay. and then it sort of just went from there yeah so that's pretty quick from just selling other people's products to making your own stuff yeah the idea was to partner up with somebody else with their products and because they were very good at making the products and we found we were very good at distributing it um, okay. and the idea didn't pan out for whatever reasons and we just said okay so we're gonna do our own thing now so and mm -hmm. that's we, we were sort of forced to not forced but it was we it tipped the scale so. yeah yeah and then did you like so okay you're gonna concentrate on a certain bike i mean do you use your own bike as the as the sort of like uh, yes yeah, so um back then well i still have it there uh, 2007 1200 gs uh but yes yeah, some of the parts was based off that and some of the parts was based off uh, going to a dealership and for the liquid cooled model and actually just measuring, um, it, measuring up. it up. Um, mm. That's the only way uh, we could do it. Um, and and that's one of the compliments we can give to the dealers. They gave us access. Um, I don't know why, because some of them don't sell the products, but some of them do, and it, it, it helped us. And... Um, we are thankful for that and yeah. people yeah pe people are there to help you they will help you so mm. and then like the manufacturing you're doing it locally you're not like sending it off to yes so China. um all the the hard parts if i can call it that the metal parts in made locally in Gauteng. yeah um <coughs> the soft luggage is imports from china uh, just because of cost and technology um, yeah we couldn't we wanted to make the soft luggage locally but we couldn't find somebody that could do it at the quality we wanted strangely enough if you compare it to china can you say that <laughs> that's funny yeah <laughs> yeah um the materials we wanted we couldn't find the materials we wanted and um it just worked out cheaper in the end so it, we were again forced to go that way rather than uh doing it locally doing it locally yeah so i mean fr from your point of view i mean do you try and make as much as you can in south africa before um, going and looking at a place like China to get something made? Uh, yes, and the, the hard parts is no, there's no negotiation. We make it, all the hard parts, meaning the metal parts, it's made yeah. in South Africa. That's like the protectors. Yes, it's like protectors, size and foot enlargers. Um, it's, I think that's also the thing where uh, we have this aura of adventure biking and Africa and South Africa, and it's made in. South Africa and Africa, and we are known for adventure biking, known for traveling off-road, and meaning it's tested in that situations and made in made for it. Uh, it's definitely helped our brand. Yeah. Um, and strangely enough, even overseas, they especially UK, they know about South Africa. They know about what we ride. They know we ride big adventure motorcycles. We are known for it. Yeah. And uh, testing the products here, making the products here, um, definitely adds a premium to the product not in price but in the quality quality and, and even the perception of it not the perception of quality because it 
I believe it's still good quality products. Mm. Um, but the perception of that it is made for its purpose, not That's just right, for yeah. aesthetics or look, anything can break. <laughs> that is why it's there. Mm. Um, to give an example on Facebook, this guy, he had a, just a couple of years ago, F800GS, and he had one of our side stand foot enlargers on it. And he complained on Facebook that this thing ripped apart. And when the people asked him what happened, he said, no, he, the side stand when he was riding, hit a railway track. And, and the people were like, yeah, no, what, what do you think was gonna happen? happen yeah. So we can't go that far. You know, mm. if you engineer stuff, over-engineer stuff, you'll hurt the motorcycle in there. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's also a fine line in that. Yeah. Oh, well, look, I suppose a lot of those things are to protect the bike to yes. a point. So in other words, it needs to um, have some sort of give in it so that it absorbs yes. some of the, the, the impact. Yes. And then disintegrate, but still be able to protect as much as it can. Yes, to a certain the, point, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is just situations where you're gonna write off the bike and you're gonna write off all our products also. So yeah. it just, it's, yeah. that is what's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So how did you decide what sort of hard protect hard accessories to make for the bike did you you look at what you honestly you look at what the opposition does yeah the europeans uh locally but it's easy you know as a rider also what you want to protect you want to protect mm. your radiator you want to protect your headlight and then it's more like for comfort or it's like your side sand foot enlarger or your side sand switch protector so that that's not a big thinking point it also comes naturally especially yeah. because both of us is riders mm. we we ride so we know what we want and it, that makes it easy yeah so i've got one of your headlight protectors on uh, i think um, did you because you powder coat you black powder coat now did you do that from the beginning or yes yeah, so <laughs> that is also by accident so <coughs> again there's a company down in in well in germanston and um we and they were very helpful from the beginning we sent them the designs and <laughs> said we only want 10 of this and 10 of that and they were like no cool we'll we'll help you where other companies say no you must you know back then we we didn't have ten thousand rand in the bank we uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we had to do this we had to um go low vol volumes mm -hmm. and a couple of products and we sent it off the designs they made it uh we said we wanted black powder coating and they came back with a certain powder coating, um, black, but the texture of it, and it was it just became our signature from then on. Yeah, it is. It's um, not like a it's not like an anodized aluminium. Yeah, thing. it's, it's a, more yeah. like a rough. It's a very rough. I'm not going to give the name away, but um, yeah. it's a very rough looking <clears throat> powder coating, and it looks quality. Mm. It is a little bit thicker. Um, it's rugged. It looks rugged. It gives you that look of this thing is working. And from then on, we've always used that by accident. Yeah, by accident. I, look, I mean, I had the, the original one of mine was just the normal bare metal one. Mm. And I actually prefer the black one. Looks nice on a white bike. And <laughs> especially with the glare. Sometimes the, the black is not just there for color. Yeah. You also want the back glare from, depends on the bike and your height and how you sit. Mm. But you can have some back glare from the headlight. Um, yes. And uh, the black also helps with that. Yeah, because I mean, you also make um, for the AC know, model. Yeah. yeah, for the AC model, the um, like that. What do you call it? The flat. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the 
Um, it's all, yeah. It's a, and that made such a difference because I didn't originally have that on my bike. And when I got the <coughs> the headlight protector from you, we all, yeah. you also gave me the um, glare shield. The glare shield. So, uh, yes, weird, that makes such a difference. Weird thing was, I before we went into this thing, I had a headlight protector, don't know what brand, and a little eyelet glare shield that sits on top of the headlight from Touratech. And it worked nicely, but it was molded plastic and we're not into plastic. And then, you know, you got these shrouds that completely, it's like a cockpit cover mm. that also does the same thing. But the problem we, what I had, because I, I don't want to put that on because then I can't mount my GPS. Yes. So we, I designed this little thing. That was one of my, one of my own, own designs. I took it out of cardboard, cut it out, put it on my bike, and then I gave it to Hendrik to do the, the actual, the actual drawing, the drawings. Drawing, yeah. And it sits in such a way, and we don't make the product anymore, um, but it sits in such a way that it does its job. It's not in the way, and you can mount still all your accessories mm. on your cockpit. So. Yeah, I actually forgot that I had it on my bike. Yeah, I'd, you don't even know about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I've just realized now. I've just, I'd totally forgotten about it. It sits in such a way that it works, but you don't know it's there. Mm. Absolutely. I think one of the, and it was, it was late to the market. No, the LC was already out. If we started with this venture in 2004, 2005 and brought out that oh, product, that, oh, it was, geez, would have been a brilliant product for the time. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it was just something that's brilliant, but already past its yeah, useful past day. Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly, yeah. But anyway, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there will be opportunities that come along as the new bikes come out. Um, yes, we hope so. And well, in one way you hope, so and the other way not because each time a manufacturer brings up the complete new bike then you need to start from scratch exactly <laughs> so exactly. we were lucky with the 1200 lc going to the going to the 1250 50. lc most stuff fit well everything fits except one or two items had to be tweaked a little bit mm. but that's wonderful yeah and uh yeah that that is the the main thing if you can have that generation jump uh, you don't have to do much design work, but you yeah. can go on to the ne next generation bike. Yeah, sure, sure. What bikes are you making accessories for? All of the adventure bikes or are they so the main ones? Or Currently, we focus on the BMW one. So BMW 1200 AC, 1200 and 1250 LC, um, F800, F850, excuse me, um, then we have one or two products for Honda Africa Twin, which we actually thought would do better, but it seems mm. Honda Africa Twin is not doing that well in South Africa. Okay. Uh, KTM 1190, 1290, that range, we've got the size and foot enlarger, not much there, but we have something. Mm. And then also, which adds to our product range r regarding um, motorcycles specifically, but not metal, is the Machine Art Moto agency agreement we have that okay. obviously um they do pod covers and stuff like that but yeah it it adds nicely to our product range even yeah. though if we only the agent so. yeah sure so i was chatting to um thomas i don't know what his surname it's i don't know how From you sabi yeah yeah, yeah, bon, yeah how do you pronounce his surname i don't Not know but yeah sabi something somewhere yeah. yeah and he was saying that in his opinion the plastics side covers work better than the metal ones because he finds that the aluminium ones tend to grip on the tar, whereas the 
plastic ones or whatever they're made out of. I don't know what they're exactly mm. made out of, mm. but they're plastic. Um, tend to slide a lot easier. Look, I haven't. And had I would imagine that's based on experience. And so I don't have that experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, but and yeah, that's not you. You're not testing that out. So no, I'm not going to test it out. <laughs> so I can say on my 1200 AC, I had the BMW pod covers. Mm. And they rip to pieces when you fold it. Fold them. The they plastic ones. The, no, no, the, the metal ones. The metal ones, yeah. They lose their uh, shape and mm. stuff. And since I've, since then, actually, I haven't gone down with the bike. So it's and yeah. I put on the machine art motor ones mm. on my my uh, 2007 model. But I can I can think that the the reviews and feedback we've seen from overseas re- clearly shows that it is a premium product. Unfortunately, with exchange rates and import um, costs, not duties, yeah. but shipping. And uh, with the USDZAR uh, exchange mm. rate, the product, it's a premium product. It's a premium price. Um, but we feel it's probably a once-off buy. And if anything, on the 1200 motorcycles or 1250, yeah. that would be the Achilles heel of that motorcycle. No, would exactly. Be, would be the engine... Exactly, and I and to to that extent, I believe that that machine auto moto twelve hundred AC or single overhead and double overhead cam engines, the protector for that was very very good. Um, the way they did it for the twelve hundred LC, I think lacked some uh, design work. Just how the engine was done, they couldn't okay. do anything else. Uh, and now with the 1250, I think they put it back into a level where it's the undisputable product out okay. there. Okay, yeah. Just yeah. the way it's mounted and the bolts that's being used. Um, I don't know much about the 1250 because I just looked at the price and walked away. I agree with you there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, stick, just, I'll stick with my bike. So. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that those, the prices of those kind of motorcycles has just shot up. I mean, I paid... For my bike, new. Okay, fair enough. Twenty thirteen. One sixty. I I effectively think my replacement bike has doubled in price in yes. five years. So I I believe, yeah, that that is a problem. And I believe that's a problem for us as a business also. Mm. You you got this premium motorcycle prices, and it's not just BMW. It's yeah. KTM, Honda, Triumph. All all are you know. You can get a two hundred thousand rand plus motorcycle. And, you know, BMW always pushes the limit on that. But three twenty, dude. Yeah. So mm. um, and that, I believe, and I've got no data to back it, but I believe the sales shows that because the um, new bike sales is, I believe, it's much lower than second hand market. Mm. And the problem, obviously, we have with the second hand market, many of that bikes already have our products on it. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a, a catch-22. You make a great product, so the guy doesn't replace it. Mm. But in the end, you don't sell again. So, Well, I suppose, they, you know, like you say, it's a, it's, 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 it's a double-edged sword. It's good and bad in a way. Yes. Bad because, you know, like all of a sudden, you're not selling as much mm. volume. But good because people that have your products on word of mouth, yes. whatever, um, mm. is going to... Um, sell your product mm, mm. so I mean talking about the fact that you know that the second hand market is um, is probably doing better than the new bike market 
I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think so too because, I mean, as you know, uh, I tried to sell my bike at the beginning of the year. Mm, mm. How difficult was that? You still got it. I've still got it. <laughs> That's a sign. You should. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'm very, I'm I'm glad that I've stuck with my bike. So there's nothing you know, wrong with it. No, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Although there was a bit of a problem with it that was starting to irritate me more and more. Remember, I told you about the hesitation problem that I had on my bike. Oh, I had you know, the, the same problem yeah. many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was starting to get to. I don't know if it was getting worse or if it was it, in my head. It's throttle bodies or something <coughs> like that, if I remember. Well, also the thing is that uh, so, uh, some people, I won't say where they came from, uh, mentioned to me that it's a known problem, unofficially, and that the bottom line is what's happening is that on some of those double overhead cam oh, engines. You've got a double overhead. Yeah. I've got the, I had this. Oh, I have to see. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, like if you go on the internet, you'll find various problems mm. that have the similar, similar, um, similar symptoms but different problems. Throttle bodies, this, that, and everything so else. So it was basically you opened the throttle and it was a lag. Yes. Uh, the so, same, same, yeah. same issue. So, so what they, um, I mean, everything on my bike has been checked. Mm. The only thing that that needed to be changed that could be couldn't be changed was the fuel mapping, mm. the engine mapping. Mm. So. So basically what the the bottom line was is that on some of those double overhead cam bikes, they had this hesitation thing. And they attribute to, to the fact that it's European spec bike because there's an American spec 1200 GS. Yeah, with a charcoal a canister. Yeah, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a European spec. Yeah. And the European spec is more stringent than the American one. We get the UK, uh, we get the European yes. bikes. And... They're, they're running 98 octane and they're running at lower altitude mm. than we are. Yeah, so the altitude. bottom line is that the bike is running so lean that A, it's got that hesitation mm. and B, if you give it gas, depending on what altitude you're at, but if you give it gas and you load it up and whatever, even with your earplugs in and your helmet on, you can hear it pinking. So... I know we're very off topic, but no, with my single overhead cam, I found this up here, down in the Cape, everywhere. Yeah. At that stage, I was also servicing. The, well, it was before before that it was doing it, and then I started to service it myself. It was still doing it, and then I took the bike to a guy in Belter Freedom Park. Okay, uh, Marcus. Yeah, from, I know Marcus. Yeah, with bike man services. I can't remember the yes. name exactly. After the first service, it was sorted. What did I, you do? I think you, know? you said throttle body, throttle body yeah. yeah. And what I, but what I also did, what I found with a single overhead cam at low refs, it started to stutter. Mm. So I put one of those, I don't know what you call it, but it, it, the bike thinks it's running at a different so temperature. Different temperature. Yes, and then it gives more yeah. fuel. Yeah. Uh, richer, for, yeah, more fuel, and yeah. that really also helped. Yeah. So basically, that's one of the suggestions that was made to me. But um, Donovan at uh, SciTech mm -hmm. said to me, look, there are various things you can do. You can put a different uh, um, filter in. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those ones mm -hmm. that you can take out and clean yourself. Um, Which I don't like. Yeah. Um, you can do the temperature yes. probe bypass yes, confusion yes. thing. Or you can put a power command on. Which is expensive, I Well, assume. yeah. So... Just to take a, a, a side sidetrack here, 
after I couldn't sell my bike, I um, thought, well, shit, if I'm going to keep the bike, I might as well flip and get this thing sorted mm. out. Because eh? the problem is that, and I don't know if it's in my head, but mm. when I started doing off, like, dirt mm. stuff, but at low speed, mm. then I kept on stalling the bike. Now, is it was it my technique that I'm not riding the bike properly, or was the hesitation thing catching me out because that's what would happen in traffic lane splitting yes. down gear down shifting ding and ding ding as i get to the road it turns green i go like this it pops bike's dead i i believe with the little thingy that majigi that makes the thing the bike thing is a different temperature really helps it helped for the 2007 one yeah yeah <coughs> and with off-road riding and I'm using uh, Sunny Pass as an example. Yes. Um, for me, it was a breeze. I was in one, first or second, literally just basically idling up this pass. Bup, 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 bup. Yeah. Low, relatively low revs, and it, this thing was like a diesel engine, just going, going, going. Yeah. Uh, and I think if I didn't have this little module on, it would have. Def- I would have been harder. Definitely had yeah. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I must tell you. I eventually decided that I was going to put a power commander on my on my bike, seeing that I had to keep it. So I uh, had to keep it, but well, yeah. well, I couldn't sell the fucking <laughs> thing, man. Do, the no, well, I mean, I checked on you know, like you can go onto TransUnion, yes, yes, and you can go check the value of and your bike. So I put my bike in, you know, the year, the mileage, yeah. the condition, and I say I don't go for the best condition because it's it's got a couple of wars, you know. You know, yeah, wall scars on there and all that thing. Okay, so yeah, so I say it's fair, fair, yeah, fair. fair, yeah. It's not good. It's not excellent. It's fair, and they say, oh, you should be able to retail is one hundred and fifteen, mm. trades one hundred and ten, whatever, or book or whatever mm, yeah. it is. Uh, so I'm like, okay, so I put it on the market because I want to sell it. I saw the for one hundred and five. So really, I'm. Um, Below. 10 grand below and I'm willing to negotiate down to 95 in my and, head and there's nobody in fact dude I didn't even get one dodgy offer <laughs> not even one scammer that was not even one we had to put it in offer. a shipping container well, I did get one no I did get one guy that phoned me and said he was looking for a car well obviously exactly. he was in the wrong yeah, yeah I was no sorry dude I'm selling a bike okay no problem um, but that was the only guy that contacted me <laughs> While it was officially on the market for sale, okay. then then I dropped it to ninety five. Still, not a single, and I was advertising it everywhere. Olex, Gumtree, Auto Trader even paid for it to be on Auto Trader. The whole fucking bank shit, dude. On the fucking groups on Facebook, the whole thing, not even a taker. And I would look. I'm not. I would expect that my bike. Would have a little bit more people eye catching because it's a different color scheme. Yes, yes. It's the last color scheme that they brought out before the LC. They only brought twenty five into the country. Mm. They're only probably about twenty or less of them around still because mm. some of them have been written off, kind of thing. And I would have thought that someone would look at that and say, "Ah, oh, like red frame, white candy." Yes. Because everyone says to me, "Fuck, their bike looks so awesome." Mm. Um, nothing. It was a, it was a sign. Yeah, so eventually, okay, so I had to keep it. But yes, every time I rode it, I was like, you know, it's eating. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this like hesitation. Is it? 
it felt like it was getting worse. Mm-hmm. Even though, I don't know, it might have just been, been in my head, head or whatever. Yeah. So now, eventually when I was going to do that, um, that Swazi trip, I mm-hmm. was like, now we're going to be doing dirt. You know, I've done a bit of, uh, on, you know, dirt um, retraining and I fucking I was battling mm-hmm. and I stalled the bike a couple of times and I dropped it a couple of times on the grass or whatever. And I was like frustrated. So I think, okay. Let me check how much it's going to be to put a command on. So when I first looked, it was like five grand. Okay. okay. Now when I look, it's eight grand. Mm. Eight grand. Okay, that includes dyno tuning, but eight grand. And I was like, fuck, there's no way. Now I'm starting to think, okay, I'm going to do the air filter. Mm. I'm going to do the temperature thing, whatever. So I thought, oh no, I wonder if I can find a secondhand one. But... I've now by, by now I've realized that the power commanders are specific to the bike. Okay. Because yeah. the connectors yes, yes. and all that shit. Something yes, now can you now you can imagine now what's the chance of me finding one mm. that fits the GS? Yes. So anyway, I go into Gumtree, you won't believe it. Probably I four find, or five. <laughs> no, I find no no, I found one. Yeah. Four twelve hundred GS, like yours. The model that the part number that it was. <laughs> For a, yeah. is for your bike. Okay. So I mail Power Commander and say, listen, can that work on my bike? Yeah. And they say, yes, because all the connectors are the same. same. The only thing is, the only difference between those two part numbers is, mm. is that the base map that is installed on it when we sell it is for your bike. Uh, but you can probably you can firmware. Di- no, oh. no, you can update it, obviously, yeah. because the whole idea about a power commander is that you can go and modify the fuel mapping yourself. They do obviously what yeah. they do is they give you a base map. Yes. As a middle of the road. Yes. Yes. Th- okay, this is for your bike based on some yes, average yes. that we've done. Great, but you have full control of the fuel mapping. So I go and I pick this thing up for 1500 bucks, install it myself, because it's easy to install. Yeah, it's just plug just and basically, play. Just mm. basically uh, putting it in line um, for the injectors yeah. and the poten- you know the potentiometer or the fuel thing. And um, so I install it myself, fucking A. Already I can feel there's a difference, mm. but still it doesn't feel 100%. So I go to the guy that does dining tuning, Mm. Recommended by um, Donovan from Cytec, mm. nine hundred bucks for the for the um, Dynatune. That's not that bad, I would think. Dude, it's a brand new bike. Is it? I cannot. I'm enjoying. I cannot tell you how much I'm enjoying riding that bike now. Like and that trip down to Swazi, I still feel that, like when I go to places where the altitude is different to Johannesburg, I do feel. Every now and again, that I can hear there's mm. a little bit of pinking, uh, pinking and all that, but I'm okay with that because that would happen on a lot of bikes anyway. Mm. And there is a way to get around that. You can put a auto tune on it. So there's another device that Power Commander makes that um, you take your standard um, oxygen sensors out, yes, and you put their oxygen sensors in that fit to the auto tune. Mm. And the auto-tune then plugs into the power commander and it auto-tunes itself based on the altitude. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, five grand. Oh, not that interesting. That. No, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. 
No. In Johannesburg? Uh, it's fine. 99% of the time, it's, a, it's running 100%. When I went to Swaziland, depending mm. on where we were, I could just feel every now and again there was a little bit of pinking, mm. but no power loss, yeah, yeah. just a little bit of laboring. Yes. Drop a gear. Then you go. All okay. Yeah. Um, I felt it a bit in Sabi. Not a train smash. It's not dangerous because yeah, no, no, it got not. to a point where I was feeling that, okay, this bike <coughs> is dangerous to ride because when okay. I'm in traffic, I'm lane splitting. Oh, you can't get away And something. I want to accelerate or whatever. Yeah. And I get this pop and the bike stalls and I'm literally yeah, in between traffic and I'm about to put my foot down. Yeah. As yeah, no, then not, it's becoming not, a problem. Yeah. So what a, what a, what a difference. But I mean, it's just, it's just sad that, that that BMW doesn't give the dealers the ability to change um, the map, yeah. Change the mapping mm. for the for for the region. Anyway, but, but I mean yeah. that's a bit of a side side, side story, story to, yeah. to the go gravel story. But ah, <laughs> uh, I think we're talking motorcycles, so that's always mm. good. Yeah, but I mean, so we were talking about um, your products being on secondhand bikes, and you know, with the secondhand market being. Uh, probably performing better than the new bike market because mm. the cost of bikes is, is starting to get to a stage where it's quite you, know, you can buy two cars now, no one well, and a half cars. Yeah, oh, no, no, wait, sorry, well. one car. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you guys have also. You um, could probably buy a couple of Datsuns. <laughs> yeah, that that too, um, or a couple of Tuk Tuks. Uh, start a new business. Um, you were. Um, Speaking earlier on about the fact that you've gone into other other products other than the hard protector yes, yes. products, you've gone into um, sort of like luggage and soft luggage <coughs> and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, because I, I mean that's not. It doesn't matter whether you're buying a second-hand bike or an, a new bike or a BMW, exactly, or a Thruxton or, or a, a Harley or a Harley yeah. or whatever. It, you know, it, it's, it's something that can be used by any rider. Yeah. And I think that was the idea. Even though, yes, as, as adventure riders, having a waterproof duffel bag, which is the, f excuse me, the first uh, luggage item, um, we, it, it's a nice product f to get more other bikers from other brands. And not even bikers. Some guys use it for... I had paintball guys that's interested. They mm. just want to put their paintball stuff in there, whatever the case may be. But yeah. it opens up a larger market. And I think that's also the case with the second product now, which is the backpack. Mm. And um, yes, there's similar stuff out there, but uh, everybody's got their own little tweak on stuff, um, doing stuff differently. Our vision or our motto, I don't want to the right word for it for our bags is to give good functionality give a lot of variables to the bag you know laptop mm. sleeve or air valve or what whatever yeah. the case may be but still at a competitive price yes and i think one of the things we uh went out to always said was um will we personally buy the product for that price yeah. Um, I know it's very <laughs> variable, you know, if you earn X amount or Y amount per month, it makes a difference to what is your perception of... of what's um, value for money? What's your, yeah, your perception of value for money? But I think there's a certain baseline which everybody can agree mm. on on certain stuff. Yeah. 
Because I mean, I, I uh, okay, I have a waterproof bag that I bought from one of your competitors. Mm. If you want to call it your competitor, is ATG. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was long. I mean, I bought that five years ago. I don't think they make that bags anymore. Probably not. Um, good bag. It's a very good bag. I mean, I'm still using it. I mean, I've used it on all the trips mm. that I've done. Uh, it's functional. Obviously, it's waterproof. Mm. It's, a f- it's the 40 liter one. Fits nicely on my bike. So, you know, those the utility of those those kind of products is, is, is amazing. And then the fact that I commute to work on, a, on on my bike and I'm taking my laptop with me. Mm. Um, my laptop bag that I get from Dell is not waterproof. Yeah. And um, I happen to use one of your demo bags Oh yes, for a yes. weekend. Yeah, yeah. I had it for a couple of weeks because yeah. we were we were playing around with something else, and I used it for that. Mm. That I put my bag, you know, put my laptop in there in the laptop mm. sleeve. My laptop fits it perfectly yeah. in there, and I had some clothes in there and what other shit, and, and it works. Rode it on the bike with it. It was comfortable because if there's one thing that I can say, and it, it happened to me today when I was riding with because I've got a new laptop bag because my old one fell apart. It's a lot smaller than the previous one that I had. So it sits a lot higher in my back. Uh, and it's just not comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I mean, that was the one thing that, that I found about your bag was that it sat so well, comfortably on my back that it didn't, you know, obviously I could feel it's there. Yes, but... But I, mm. it wasn't creating any... So I could imagine... Uh, okay, I didn't... I think I rode from Jobik to Pretoria and back with it um but i mean you get a sense very quickly about if i'm doing a long trip how comfortable is this mm. the backpack's going to be because i mean that's something that I, I mean i've got a normal nike backpack mm. that i've used previously to mm. carry camera stuff yeah, yeah. In, in my backpack and after a while you know your back gets sore doesn't fit nicely it's not comfortable and i mean that was the one thing that i found about your bag well, that's good to hear because I think one of, and that's also what we try to do. Um, you were one person that used it for a couple of weeks, and we had another guy back then, he was riding a Harley. Um, he saw the light and came to the BMW side. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he, he, one of our first samples, he, he's still using it. And, and that's, the, and he used it for a year, six months to a year before we actually implemented the product. So we could really get a good, idea of what to leave out what to change and and that's what we did so the one of the weird things is like our duffel bag is made of out of tpu current the current duffel bag but the backpacks is made out of pvc okay and the only reason we did was made a change was from tpu because the first samples was also tpu because we like we like the material it's durable it's it is strong it is um very uh, much lighter compared to PVC, but like this guy said, like um, if I put my this backpack next to my desk when I'm at work, and he had now the sample that was made out of TPU, the TPU is strong and everything, but it's so soft, the bag falls on onto itself. It okay. doesn't stay rigid. It's not yeah. easy to get stuff out. So just for that one reason, yeah. we changed. Was you? I can you can see the problem and yeah. you. So we we put quite a lot of um, like quite a lot of 
feedback out of what people tell us about mm. the bags. It's not always possible to do everything what everybody wants. Like uh, also with the duffel bag, we are looking to move to PVC only for one reason. Um, and the feedback from the uh, shops was the, the TPU material is great. It works. It's wonderful. Um, it's not more expensive for them compared to PVC bags, uh, our competitors, etc. But when the customer come in and they feel the bag compared to the PVC bag, the perception is the PVC bag is more stronger, even though it's yes. not. Okay. And it's more heavier, but the percept that's the perception. Yeah. So, you know, we're now thinking of moving to a different material just because of the perception it creates. Yeah, well, I suppose that's how you create um, good products or products that sell. Yeah, so that's that's the two luggage products we have, and we're looking at expanding it. Mm. Um, don't know yet where, where what, to. Yeah. yeah, I like the idea of laptop backpacks. Mm. Um, even though it's not maybe a motorcycle-specific product, a lot of motorcyclists do commute. Yeah. And they may want something different than a waterproof PVC backpack. They want something more, let's call it professional or yeah. office Yeah. Can put it Because, I mean, there's... There must be a limitation in terms of working with the PVC and how you can get it to look. Yes, yes. And also maintain the waterproof yes, exactly. aspect of it and all that. Like a normal laptop bag, you know, you might have compartments that are separate that yes. you would have to stitch on and whatever. Which and that bring creates, more functionality, yes. Yeah, but also creates a, a sort of like a you want to call it a weakness in terms of waterproofness oh yes yes exactly but i don't i think if you have a range of products that can cater for um a different range of clientele and even even i i believe um what we are seeing of what the feedback is we are getting from some shops and not just motorcycle shops there's not much out there for the ladies even in comparison to a laptop bag it's a normal like you say dell bag Mm. they get from a supplier or it is um a, i don't say a men's bag but it's not feminine yes so maybe that that's also yeah you know, we're just throwing around ideas and yeah. see what will happen yeah because I, mean, I, I mean i think that's also something um is that uh in this country female riders is a growing community it's taking long to get there. Yes, yes. But the feedback that I get from lady riders is that, I mean, it's changing now, but previously the clothing that's been made for women is based on the men's clothing, but with slight tweaks in the sense that they're not comfortable, they're not f as functional, they're not as aesthetically mm. pleasing yes. for women. Because, I mean, it's, a you know, the guy's, climb on the bike you know they're yes. wearing a pair of jeans I, I think that is true to a certain extent but also wrongly or rightly uh, some suppliers just don't bring in the ladies wear yes um, due to the limit in the market mm. uh, which creates this that they can't find what they're looking for because if you look at the <clears throat> overseas brands and what they offer they are very very nice ladies ranges yes. of um suits uh, whatever they need for motorcycling um but i think that's a difficult marketing uh, market with clothing import duties etc yeah yeah so. well so i mean i chatted to the lady from uh Modigal. 
Oh yes, I saw that. I don't know them, but I've been seeing yeah. them. So uh, I've done a podcast with them. I haven't published it yet. Probably by the time this one comes out, it will be published. But yeah, interesting story. Yeah. You'll have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, to find out what's what's about. Yeah, so. well, no, well, I mean, she's she's bringing in the motorcycle stuff, which is made in the UK, um, and uh, yeah, obviously it's early days, but the response has been pretty good. Um, Where are they based? Or she's um, selling out of um, Moto uh, Max Inc. You know, in Krugsdorp? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. That's actually her fiancé who runs that. Oh. And she's... So that's their... F- that was their first store. they in the store in Bloemfontein. And oh. they've got another... I think they're done in Cape Town somewhere. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So hopefully hopefully um, for her, it, gro- it grows organically. Mm. Uh, I think she, you know, she's bringing in the stuff. It's good product. She's had good response from it. And the prices are pretty good. I think that's in comparison to, to 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 other brands that yes. are bringing in their female version, their female lines are almost double the price. Well, yeah, and then you get like <coughs> the German brands that, uh, apart from their hard stuff, they also try to do um, like soft uh, luggage, soft luggage, and also clothing. But the suits mm. are just, I mean. It's BMW plus prices, so <laughs> yeah, and then it gets ridiculous. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I mean, look, I mean, uh, I think unfortunately, the reality is is that when you're riding a motorcycle, your protective gear yes. is paramount. Yes, and, and, and you know, they you almost got to say to people if you're going to ride bikes and you want to be safe, you can't take the cheapest option. But the problem is, is that even the cheapest option is pretty much. Uh, Look, I think depends on what you want to do. If you want to go with proper boots and neck brace, then yes, th- it jumps. But if you want to go with pants, mm. jacket, helmet, you can. There is some budget options that I still believe is good okay. if you look into the s- shops. But then you can also get your premium helmets and stuff where you're like, are your price so much? Is your helmet so much better? Compared to X, Y, and Z for that yeah. price, how much more can you do? Can you know? Yeah, I mean, talking about helmets. I mean, this is the this is the fundamental difference that I've found between helmets because, I mean, you would most of them, if not all of them, are dot approved. Which BMW? Dot, well, dot is useless anyway. Yeah. Well, but it, they all meet the minimum standard. Yes. All the helmets. Yes. What I found are the two factors that differentiate. An inexpensive helmet to uh, more expensive mm-hmm. helmets, and I'm not saying that always the expensive helmets um, get it right, but two things: wind noise, mm-hmm. comfort. Yes, and especially for me, the lining inside, <coughs> the comfort yeah. in that. Yes, and um, no, I agree with you on that one. But then you get a helmet. It costs you six thousand rand, which is premium mm. for me anyway. Yeah. Then you get other helmets that's ten thousand rand. But is that four thousand rand so much wind noise and so much? I, I don't no, believe no, so. No, no, I, I agree with you on that. Um, uh, but also my your one thousand rand helmet, I also <laughs> don't believe is on the quality of the six thousand. No. Yeah, it's very. 
Uh, and some people will disagree with us. And, and I mean, it's like a lot of things, like tires. Yes, it's very subjective. Yes, very no, subjective. exactly. <clears throat> so I think I think like for me, it's like I had to find the helmet that I found comfortable. Yes, that provides me all the things that I want: protection, mm. uh, ease of use, yes, uh, least wind noise, and comfort over mm. long distances. Yes. Uh, I've, I've, yeah, that is that's it, and and then I buy it's when it's on special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. When when that that the, everything that wasn't on special on Black Friday because it seems I couldn't find anything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, coming back to uh, go gravel and stuff uh, f- and the luggage, we believe there is space in the market for good luggage. Not per se just motorcycle luggage or uh, soft luggage, soft panniers or duffel bags, but yeah. maybe expanding beyond the point of just motorcycle bags. Mm. Um, the feedback we've received and the requests we've received, weirdly enough, we're not even a luggage company. Yeah, It's like, oh, can't you do something like this? Or can't yeah. you do something like that? Or you know, I like this, but this is a overseas brand, and it costs like two thousand rand for a backpack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where you know, can't you guys do something? Yeah, and you always, <laughs> yeah, it always makes you. You get a lot of that stuff, feedback from people, and uh, you can't do everything, and you don't want to do everything, and sometimes you can't, you can't monopolize the market anyway because you don't want to go there. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be a company that provides good quality, af- affordable products, even if it's whatever products we we provide. And affordable doesn't mean cheap. Mm. Affordable must just be good value for money. Good value for money, yeah, definitely. If I think about the ATG bag that I bought, mm. you know, like we said, it's it's still going. It's good quality. I think at the time. Five years ago, I paid eleven hundred bucks for it. Yeah, um, yeah. like for me, it was worth eleven hundred bucks yes. because I'm good use out of it. It does its job. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's. I think if you buy good quality stuff at a price that's within your range. I mean, uh, I think about my BMW riding seat. Mm. I mean, okay, I didn't pay full price for it, of course, because I bought it on special. Uh, <laughs> I bought it second hand yeah. from someone. But I mean, at the time, it was like 15, 16 grand. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's exp- it, uh, well, in most people's books, yeah, no, look, it it's is a lot bl- of it's a lot bloody of expensive. But if I think about how much use I've got out of it, yes, yeah, and there's still no reason to replace it, it or you know all that kind of stuff uh, it's um it's you know it's worth the money i mean yeah. it, it would be really worth the money that day that i have a, a bad experience a fall or accident or whatever and it would, all the protectors that are in there which weigh you down when you're walking <laughs> around and make you very very hot don't crash into the water you yeah. won't come out yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I suppose, um, yeah. I think uh, value for money um, items is definitely something on the cards. Yeah, I think sometimes the drive for profits um, is more than 
just sitting back, not sitting back, just thinking about providing value for money to the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it in in many products these days, um, from buying X cable, yes, from X, Y, and Z for hundred rand, and then around the corner because it's in a premium shopping mall, it costs you seven hundred rand. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And you you need to have that balance, and I think. Also, that that is a reputational risk for a company and for business. You don't want to be, you want to be known to provide good quality products. And I think I mentioned this previously already, but at affordable prices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, consumers with technology d- these days will easily go find a similar product on the internet and see what what's the price. And and it's not just about um your competitors product and their prices but also the prices between uh, your products but in different shops yes um a guy also don't want to feel ripped off because he's buying it from x y and z on this side of the road and it's a premium shop, shop they, yeah. they pay 100 rand more and then when they walk around the corner to the normal bike shop it's the same thing for 100 rand less i mean yeah. That's also a problem businesses face, but we don't have a control of that. Okay, let's talk about, you were talking about distribution of your products. Mm. Okay, so you are selling your stuff through bike shops? Uh, yes, so what we, well, the, the last six, seven years, we just sold as a wholesaler to motorcycle shops. Uh, you know, we will sponsor guys, and here and there, if there's events, we'll provide uh, some products at discounts on. But uh, 99.99% of all sales goes through shops, um, and then obviously to some overseas agents. But saying that now, we also sort of made sort of not a U turn on that, but we sort of veered to the side with the luggage because it's now not just motorcycles anymore. Um, it's it's for people uh, not a duffel bag but a backpack and may, mm. maybe future products um, it's not per se just for motorcycles and what we looking at is seeing how we can get other distribution lines going because uh, let's say for online let's say using a take a lot for example because there are potential clients in potential areas which one that's not a motorcycle rider and there is not even maybe a motorcycle shop in the town yes. but they would like the product so we need to start and this is not for we're not looking at this for our hard parts but this is like the luggage chains which a motorcycle guy will go to the motorcycle shop or find a motorcycle dealer to help him but the luggage people is a different type of market and you need to look at different kinds of distribution channels for the for that market also. What yeah. works for motorcycles or the motorcycle industry doesn't work, work for, the, for like, the normal. Yeah. yeah, like you're saying, yeah. I mean, you were talking about um, guys going to one shop and paying a certain price for your product and going to another shop and paying something less or whatever, and like you don't have control over that. Uh, I mean, you are selling it to the to the motorcycle shop. You're not putting it on consignment, are you? Um, yes. So um, 99.9999% of stuff is sold directly. Yeah. Here and, here and there where we've got something we want to 
punt a little bit, we will say, just take a couple, have a look at it, see how it mm. goes. Like Gives with a new product or something. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably just a product we're not quite comfortable with. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's how it works. It's not, we're not there to finance your business. Mm. We had to do our business from scratch. Yeah, so sure. So we, yeah. But I mean, in terms of that 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 price difference between mm. two shops, a premium mm. shop and a normal bike shop, I mean, that's really up to. I mean, if the guy wants to push the price and he's not going to sell many of them because around the corner someone else is selling it, that's that's up to them. Yes, that's up to him. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and consumers will uh, all go to him because they believe he's providing good service and they will pay the premium. Yeah. For it, and he's maybe always got stock. Mm. where the guy around the corner maybe asks less but he's maybe never have stock, stock yeah. so there's also that as, there's not a right or wrong answer to it mm. yeah, it's just certain shops do it a certain yeah, sure. way yeah. so, but we provide it to everybody at the same price so. oh that's cool and then just tell us about the, the, the export side of the business um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. Well, because I mean, you're not only selling in South Africa. No. You're also exporting stuff. Um. Currently, we. It's about now, three years ago, just over three years, uh, we started to sell into Europe. Um. The growth is not never what you expect you want, but because we're not a known brand, it uh, it's not there yet. Yeah. But it's slowly but surely always building and building and building and and getting bigger it's a completely independent agent uh, and that is now uh, we in that case we did help him with some stock and we actually helped him to build his business and he's now also um, stocking another South African brand not not a competitor of ours but also a motorcycle brand uh, so it's now a business that's actually selling South African products into into Europe. Europe, yeah, which is encouraging. Yes, uh, we will. Well, we hope it will go better and build and build and get bigger. So Europe, yeah, we are we are positive about Europe. Um, Australia, it's a different kind of market. It's it's not a big twelve hundred GS market, which is our. Well, we don't believe so. It's not the big 1200 GS market that we have here, uh, the big bikes. Um, mm. It's not even like the Africa twin market. It's it's more like your smaller 650s, 450s, yeah. bush riding. So we're not quite into that products, but we have a presence there and, uh, you know, it's going. Yeah. USA has probably been the toughest. Okay. Um, I think they've got this perception that anything that doesn't come out of Europe or the USA is not good. <laughs> Even though most of the stuff's made in China. Exactly. Um, but also f- because of the size and the different ways, different riding and different weathers and everything, it, it made it difficult. We, we've had two agents now, uh, which didn't quite work out. We're actually just sitting back now and seeing what will happen when somebody comes past or there's a agent that we believe that is established and can bring value to our brand, then we'll look at uh, going into the USA again. Mm. Uh, we don't want to push it. I don't. Uh, we've tried to push it and it's, it worked, but it not to the extent we wanted it to work. Yeah. Um, and I believe, yeah, just sit back a little bit and the brand will 
build itself to yeah. where it's yeah. when they they ask for it rather than we push it that yeah. much we hope anyway yeah so the 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 european one uh did you say to me the guy that's selling it he's selling it through amazon yes mainly through amazon yeah which has actually been quite uh, a good channel for us mm. or for him to sell through um even so that some of the products has come up as Amazon choice products in obviously in our category and uh, the feedback has been good um, obviously personally I would like us to be in physical stores only but the agent that's up to them how they would like yeah. to run the business yeah so. I suppose you know it's so funny I mean just talking in general about that kind of stuff mm. is like um, when I've, I've watched a couple of episodes of Shark Tank the yeah. American version, yeah, and it's so funny how the when someone comes in and they got a product that mm. they're selling, the first question they sell, ask you are, are you, what's the term they use, big box or are you online? Big box means yes, in are you Walmart, yeah. or are you in there, or are you there, or are you online? And they might say, oh, I don't know, they they in the stores in their area. Etc. Etc. And they're like, but why aren't you selling online? Because yeah. you know you must move away from. So it's so funny how, like in the US, uh, just based on what I've seen and heard mm. on Shark Tank, is that like the the feeling is that you should be on online, whereas in but South Africa is a different market. Yeah, I'm not so sure about Europe, but I, I believe both. I believe there's a place for both. Both, yeah, and especially also in our uh, the human nature is. Well, in many instances, when when buying a car, it's also an example. You want to go sit in it. You want to go feel it. You want to go have a look at it there. You want to touch it. And, and sometimes with the motorcycle products, the guy want to see the headlight protector in the packet, the size and foot enlarger. So you will have your clients that don't care about it. Yeah. And others that want. And mm. uh, I think you need to cater for both. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I was just interesting that that guy's found that 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 Amazon works. Look, Amazon from. is not the cheapest way to go. No, you need you're giving away your fat. You okay. do. Um, well, I don't, I don't. We don't give it away, but the agents do. Yes. But the distribution um, is there. It, it, it's established. Yeah. You can build a quite a nice brand on it, but also you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket because yeah. they can just oh no sorry we you did something wrong or this rule or that rule and then they cut you off so then your business is dead yes so you need to yeah you need so to so like not have your eggs in all, all in one basket yes. kind of thing you yeah like have a some sort of model where you've got some in stores and some online yeah and yeah. Sa saying that is uh, <laughs> we are probably then also doing the wrong thing to a certain extent but South Africa is different that we only sell to stores yes uh, but it's it's working well it is set us apart from our competitors in a way where we found and saw that the competitors will sell online and sell to stores. So are they supply are they a supplier to stores or are they a competitor to to, to the stores? Well, uh, yeah, well that's I mean that's the question because the moment you put it on take a lot, you've just undermined or undercut your people that you're your yes. your um yeah. retailers yeah so that that's that's a thin line to run mm. and uh that's why we're looking at maybe doing something online with the luggage but not with the hard parts 
Um, because the luggage, like I said, is a different market, different a different, markets, yeah. completely different market, yeah. and different. It works differently. Um, even though there's a lot of luggage stores out there, people still like to see and feel it. But there's people that doesn't care about it. Um, yeah, and you need to start to cater for, and I think people forget about this. There's a lot of country outside the cities, and a lo- there's a lot of market outside the cities. Yes. but there's not always established shops. Shops, out. There, yeah. So uh, you need to. If you want to capture that market, which still has money in their pockets, mm. you need to look at something like take a look. Yeah, or something. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting how you could, um, in the case of of making a mistake like mm. that, of putting the stuff on take a lot and almost like killing your retail yes your the, the retailers that have been loyal or whatever yeah so yeah. and it's not about i think you can do that but you need to be honest with your with your uh, shops mm. and uh you you shouldn't undercut them you should actually just set it at a premium yeah. above yeah. your recommended retail price yeah um uh, don't undercut your shops but the expectation that, is is that online stuff would be cheaper because of the fact that you don't have a but it, but it's not because that twenty or thirty percent is taken by a take a lot a Amazon yeah uh, so it's not <laughs> that yeah. the, in certain cases it probably is mm. but they, I I believe they they are your your storefront yes. and they they are taking their they cut, cut. That, yeah. um, they're providing the storefront they're providing the warehousing they're providing the delivery services so yeah that perception I believe is wrong is yeah is wrong yeah uh, so i mean like for instance so in some cases it's like take a lot they they service the order and whatever and sometimes you'll see that it's uh it's uh supplied by xyz but it's fulfilled by take yeah, lot. yeah so what's the difference there i mean do you know so you've got two options with take a lot and with amazon all of them you can physically keep your products in the warehouses and it will go out immediately basically to the client yeah. or you will get the the order and then you need to ship it to the warehouse and they yeah. will ship it on okay which can create obviously logistical issues well both both got is got pros and cons, cons because yeah. if you keep it in the in the dc or the warehouses it's immediately available but it costs mm. you money but the other way around is it doesn't cost you money but now you need to courier parcel per parcel to them and then which could also drive up your yes overhead costs so i think <clears throat> quick moving products you want to probably keep in stock there and one that sells one one a year yeah two a year you can ship yourself ship yeah. yourself oh okay that's interesting uh, look I'm, I'm, about that. I'm, uh, I'm talking theoretically and yeah. what we've learned from our uh, agents experiences with amazon mm. and all that kind of stuff yeah but what I do find it seems with and I'm talking under correction with take a lot there's still somebody to call where Amazon is very much AI and automatic yeah. um, so stuff happening it, in the background now. yeah and you don't have a person to talk to which seems to be a, sometimes a problem so mm. yeah that's interesting yeah yeah and what else I mean have you got you, you got a couple of products new products you're looking at for the future <coughs> No, uh, well, yes, there's always something in the works. Um, <laughs> we've been working on a Triumph Headlight Protector for years, just not getting it over the line and finishing it okay. because there's, there's always something else coming up. 
Yeah. But the 850 headlight protector is now finished, uh, which was a challenge. Mm. Uh, recently, we also launched 30 millimeter handlebar raises for the 1200 1250 LC, which was a personal choice for me because I like yeah. handlebar Never raises. raises yeah. um, some people don't, but hey. Um, we're working on spotlight protectors. We've done a design, put it on all, change it again, and put it on all. So things go and happen, and then if we just don't get to it, then we do something else again. Mm. And I think, to be honest, we are slow in the design stage of our products, but when it comes out, it it usually works. Yeah, yeah. There's very little that goes wrong, Yeah, which is maybe... Um, what we tried to do with the luggage also, as I mentioned previously, we, get, we had this guy that used the bag for six months to a year before we actually even brought it to the market. So it's not, we're, not, we're not going for, uh, we need to get it to the market as quick, and, quick as possible, possible to make a buck. We'll rather sit back and work on it and tweak it and change it and do two or three or four or five or 10 samples and mm. get it to where we believe it is a workable or sellable product yeah uh, yeah well that's good to know and i mean just talking about that i mean we can chat about this in closing but uh so i mean that's how you and i met yes yes sense, yes exactly that um for your hard uh, products um you decided to tr 3d print some of your prototypes when you were going through that iteration yes. stage i mean did you find that that worked out cheaper for you to do it that way um, um, I don't uh, know. I, I turnaround time. I think it's more about turnaround time. Time, yeah. Um, I didn't really. We haven't really made a cost exercise. We don't. Yeah. It's not really f on the forefront of our minds. It's more about getting a quicker turnaround time. Yes. And making a small change, and it can be printed again. And as you know, we send stuff two or three or two four times, times. Yeah. To make changes, and then we go over to metal samples, and then it's still, you know, because there's always a little bit of discrepancy between. Yeah. 3D printing and metals. So yeah. you need to sometimes just, and then your perception, you will put the thing on the bike and like, uh, okay, let's move it like five millimeters to this side. And then you yeah. change yeah. again. So, yeah. Well, that's, well, I mean, that's how we, uh, how you and I met. So that's, <laughs> yeah. And maybe, maybe our design process is mundane and old or out of date. You've got 3D scanners these days and stuff yeah, like that. Sure. But, uh, we don't know any better way to do it and you know that's how we do it yeah yeah well, that's interesting well I'm glad to know that uh, somewhere along the line 3D printing <laughs> helped <laughs> out <laughs> oh well yeah. yeah so that that you know it's definitely I think for prototyping uh, it's definitely uh, very helpful yeah well that's cool right thanks very much Oh, thank you very much. Uh, where are we now? Uh, an hour, hour and 15 minutes, man. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're. <laughs> like a little while ago, we were like uh, 20 minutes. Uh, okay, yeah. let's, let's have a bra. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a bra and we're talking again and we probably we can talk. Beers <laughs> we can probably talk some more. So. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you very much. Thank yeah. you for the invite. And yeah. And so ends another episode. If you are in the market for some accessories or soft luggage, I would uh, check out Go Gravel. I can definitely recommend their products. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and uh, reach out and drop me a DM on Instagram if you would like to contribute to the show in any way. Feedback is always welcome. 
And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time.